Welcome to the Generous Marriage Podcast. Hi, I'm Ziv Raviv. And I'm Shachar Erez. And together we go on a journey in this Generous Marriage Podcast trying to help ourselves and also you, our listeners, in a journey of making the relationship a priority. And today we're going to do that by listening to an interview with Gal Sekely. You have quite a history and a relationship with Gal, isn't it? Yes, Gal Sekely is one of my teachers, one of the psychotherapists who trained me as a couples therapist. He's the founder, the co-founder with his wife of the Couples Center in, in San Francisco in, in the Bay Area. And... He's great. I really think he's great. He's, a, he's also a very nice guy. I had the opportunity of meeting him when he was visiting Israel. So I think you're going to love this interview. There's so many good uh, golden nuggets in it. See you in the other end. Enjoy. Welcome to the Generous Marriage Podcast. Fight less, feel appreciated, and have a deeper connection with your spouse. And now your hosts... Shachar Erez and Ziv Raviv. Hello, Generous Marriage Podcast. How are you? This is Ziv Raviv and hello, Shachar Erez. Hello, everyone. Hi, Ziv. We are now in season two of the Generous Marriage Podcast, The Right to Feel. That's our overarching principle and we explore it with the help of influencers and thinkers and experts like the one we are interviewing today. And I'm so proud and excited to share with you. Hello, Gal Sekely. Hi there. I really want to properly introduce you. So Gal, you are a relationship expert. You're also a psychotherapist. You train other people and help them become relationship experts. And you're also the founder of the Couples Center, San Francisco Bay Area. Couples are actually getting their shit together. Sorry, I just had to be me for a sec. And you guys in the Couples Center help them with that. Gal, was that a fair introduction? Yeah, that was a good short description. Cool. Of course, there's a lot more to, to that because basically today we're going to not talk about communication and how can we not talk about communication when we're talking about with a relationship expert. Is there anything except communication, Gal? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff actually that is except communication. I think it's important for me to talk about this topic because there's so much emphasis on communication when it comes to couples. And, and when people hear this communication thing, they think that what they need to do is they need to learn how to communicate better, which means like they need to have a better structure of how to communicate. If you just say things this way rather than that way, if you start like this or if you start like that, that's going to create a difference. And so a lot of people, what they're looking for is a formula. They're saying like, okay, so here's what's going on for me in this relationship. So help me say it. Like, how do I say it differently? So my partner is actually going to hear it. And it's actually not the right way. It's actually not true. It's not really what a relationship works around. The communication is actually in some way a byproduct of something else. Let me give you a really quick example for that. Please. Let's say I'm your partner and I say to you and I look at you and I say to you, of course I love you. How much do you feel loved right now? <laughs> Not very much. Not very much. What you're really hearing is like you're angry at me, right? Right. But if you look on paper, you know, if someone just gave you that paper and says, of course I love you, uh -huh. you would say, oh, that's so nice. 
right? So communication-wise, in terms of structure and content, like it looks like a really great thing, right? But because of my tone of voice and because of my energy in the way I was saying that, you really, what you heard is like, it doesn't matter what you said. I just know you're angry at me right now. And either I got to get angry back or I got to run for the hills. It doesn't matter. But I, you know, I'm definitely not feeling loved right now. Yeah. So there's something else that is underneath communication that actually affects the way people communicate. It actually gives what the real message is. Some of the stuff, we're probably going to jump into that pretty soon. But some of the stuff, for example, about body language is a message that actually trumps the actual verbal message that you're saying. It's more important than the verbal message that you're saying. More important. Wow, wow yes. God, I love that. Almost all the couples call in because they have communication problems. That's the first thing that almost every couple says. And you're pointing at something much deeper. I love that. And, you know, I'm a therapist as well. And you actually trained me. And a lot of what I know comes from you. And uh, I also teach them uh, nonviolent communication and how to say the words. But, yeah, I really agree that it's so much deeper than that. It's about how you communicate more than the words. I can say very, very harsh things for you, to you as your partner. But if I come from a different body language and a different energy, you're going to receive it differently. Like, just like I said, I love you. And you heard like you're, I'm, you're angry at me. I can also say to you, listen, Shacha, what you did last night really hurt me. I'm angry at you. It's not okay with me. We have to change this. And while it's not a comfortable message to hear, I want you to notice that's probably actually it goes in much better and get, gets you less defensive because of the way I was saying that. You can use the NVC protocol and say the right words and it still will be violent and, and not exactly. work. But what you gave us as an example here, is it really about body language? It feels like it's more than that. Well, let's start with talking about the body language and then we'll get to what's more than that because I think let's take it one step at a time. It's really important to understand that Body language, again, like kind of is the more important aspect in our communication than the verbal. You know, like someone came up with this number of like maybe 86% is body language. I don't know where that number came from exactly and if it's true or not, but I definitely think it's way more than 50%. Like I think it's really just like in those two examples that I gave, you see it like you listen to my body language, you know, basically to my tone of voice way more than you listen to what I was saying. So it is more important than what you're saying. And it also, if you look at it, body language, is the language of our attachment. So I'm sure some of your viewers know what attachment is. If not, we can say very briefly that it's kind of a, it's an approach, it's a theory that talks about like early childhood development and what's, the, what's important there. And then how those things also translate into a romantic relationship in adulthood. Like how some of the same principles, some of the same important things in a relationship between a parent and a child also applies to romantic relationship in some ways. And we know that the early language that children speak is not the verbal language because they don't understand your words. What they understand is your tone of voice. They understand your touch, you know, when you touch them. They understand proximity and distance. Like, are you holding them? Are you close to them? Or are you further away? Are you turning towards them and looking at them? Eye contact, they understand, versus where you turn, you're turning away. And so those are the elements that they actually understand, and those are the elements that affect them. And we grow up and we think we're very different, but we really like our brain is built on those layers and the deeper layers are the same layers that we have when we were children and respond to the same dynamics, to the same principles, you know, to the same templates. And so when it comes to a romantic relationship where it's, this gets evoked the most, this is where it's the most powerful 
in romantic relationships, some of those early development templates gets evoked with your partner. And those things are really, really what affects you on a very deep level. So the way your partner touches you, the way they look at you, their tone of their voice, the kind of glint in their eyes when they're looking at you or, or not, or, like, or maybe like the anger when they look at you, those are really powerful messages that are way under the communication. And so they, they are actually more important than what you say. Can you teach this? How do you help couples with this? Yes, it's definitely possible to teach this. I mean, actually, my work with couples, it's the first thing I pay attention. I also tell them that immediately from the get-go, like, I'm going to be paying attention to your verbal and nonverbal communication because the nonverbal is so important. And I want to teach you how to do it. And I want you to understand also that a lot of time when you misunderstand each other, like when you have one intention and your partner gets a different message, which is very common, it's really, most of the time, it comes from your nonverbal communication. It's not from what you're saying. It's like they're getting another message from your nonverbal. Just like you're saying, you're saying, I love you, but your tone of voice says, I'm angry at you. And so then it's not going to work. Yeah. And so one of the things I pay attention with couples, for example, when they sit with each other, how far or how close they sit with one another. And I try to experiment with them. If they sit a certain way, if they're very far with each other, I'll say, okay, well, let's try to get closer to one another and see what's the difference. How do you feel about that? What's good about it? What's difficult about that? The same thing with eye contact. Like how much are you actually turning towards your partner and looking at them? How much are you turning away? And that there's a connection between that and your attachment style. Your tone of voice, how much your face shows you know, emotions on you, how much your face shows that you're getting the other person's emotions. And so all of those stuff is that we play with and work with in the session. And it's not just a technique of like, you know, just do this with your face because your face reflects what you feel. It just shows something, you know, it helps you feel like, okay, I said I love you, but actually I was angry. So let me first look at why am I angry? If I can let that go, then now my face is going to show something different. And now my partner is going to really receive me. So it's not just a technique of like, okay, change this about your face or sit and don't sit with your arm folded by sit with your arm open. It's more like it's a beginning of an investigation. If you sit with your arm closed, what's happening for you right now? And then for your partner, what's the message it gives to your partner? Because your, your partner has their own templates, so it can give a different message in what you mean, but then it's a beginning of an inquiry about that. Is that something that actually comes into play as powerful as you describe it also when couple will maybe talk on the phone? What yeah, for sure. I mean, on the phone, you have some of the channels, or you don't have the visual channel, right? But you definitely have the auditorial channel. So you hear what your partner is saying. So the mm-hmm. tone of voice, the speed in which they talk, all of that will show how they feel and what's going on for them. And so that will affect you that way. The problem yeah. also, by the way, with text messages is that text messages have even less information in them. And so they're more open to misinterpretation because you don't have the tone of voice there. You know, maybe you have emojis. That's a little bit of what you have. But that's the only way of kind of actually transferring the energy behind what you're saying. And so that's why it's very open to misinterpretation. This is basically what you're saying is that we communicate with each other, couples, in a way that the words that we say speak less volume than the way we say those words. And the messages are passed on the body language level, on the tone of voice level, and on the touch level, if you touch or don't touch your partner. But also, you're saying that it's like inevitable. Your brain is wired to look for the emotions of your partner. And it is affected by the emotions of your partner way, way more than what they actually say. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's not a conscious level thing. It's an unconscious thing. 
and it's automatic and there's no control for you around that. You can become more aware of it, so work with it, but it will still happen. That's how we wire it. We wire it to listen to those levels of kind of nuances of tone of voice and body language, et cetera. So what would be a conclusion for a couple that wants to have better communications, that wants to understand each other and be on the same page and work in harmony and in partnership? What can they do to actually not send the wrong message with their body language? So that's a really great question, really important one. There's a lot of way to answer that, but the thing I want to focus on is on attunement. That's the thing behind that's affecting your body language also. Because as I said, it's not just a kind of a technique. Okay, just do this with your body language. It's like it's how you are in attunement with your partner that actually going to help that. So when people are talking about a communication issues, one of the way I translate that is they're saying we're not attuned to one another, really. And when we're not attuned, you know, our communication doesn't go well. We don't understand each other. We, we're angry with each other. We feel misunderstood. You know, we want something from our partner. They don't listen to us, et cetera, et cetera. So let's talk for a moment, if that's okay with you guys, about what attunement is. Yes, yeah. give it to us. What is attunement? So attunement, in some ways, kind of being on the same wavelength of being with the flow or in a rhythm with someone else, okay? When we're saying, you know, this kind of common complaint that people have about their partner is like, you're not listening to me. What they mean is that not that you're not listening, like your ears probably still work, okay? Your brains probably still work. What they mean is that you're not feeling what I'm feeling. You're not on the same wavelength in me. Like what we really want to feel in relationship is we want to feel felt. Feel felt. To feel felt, which means like I feel that you feel me. Mm. Okay, so if I'm angry right now and I get that you get why I'm angry and you feel a little bit of that, like you, you're able to go into my shoes and feel a little bit the world from my shoes, then I feel felt. I know that you're feeling a little bit of what I'm feeling right now. And so then I know that you get me. And that's what actually makes me feel good. I would say like 95% of what couples actually want when they talk about communication is they, they want to feel felt. They want to know that the other person is actually attuned to them because if you are a little bit able to experience my world a little bit and walk in my shoes, then first of all, you understand that it makes sense and it's logical, at least in my world, even if it's not in yours. And you're able to share this experience with me, which automatically creates empathy. If you feel a little bit of what I'm feeling, of course, you'll be empathetic to me. And you say, like, yeah, of course, I, I get it that I hurt you this way because yeah. I'm looking at it from your eyes. That's what empathy is all about. Right. And so it's about being able to develop this level of attunement with one another. And that level of attunement will going to show through your body language. If you're starting to talk and I'm already preparing my answer, which is most, what most people do, we listen just enough to respond. Okay, not to really understand, but we listen just enough to respond. You know, I'm kind of preparing my rebuttal of what you're saying, right? And so I'm not attuned to you at that moment. And then my body language is going to show that. My body language is going to show that I'm more defensive or that I'm ready to kind of jump, jump forward. Or my tone of voice will be like, you know, yes, but kind of thing. And that's what you're going to pick up. And that's where the communication is not going to work. But if I take the time to attune to you, to kind of feel a little bit of what you're feeling, to really take in what's going on for you, then you'll feel this energy from me of like, oh, he's really there. He's interested. He gets a little bit of what I'm feeling. And that's the energy that then we're going to relax the other person and open up to more possibilities. Yeah, I love that, Galia. I often say people want to feel heard or feel understood. 
but I, I think I agree with you. They actually want to feel felt. Right. Yeah. I think when you take heard and understood together, what you get is feeling felt. Sometimes I do this exercise sometimes with couples in which one person is talking and I just work with the body of the other person to get them more into just being relaxed in themselves, to get them out of being reactive, to open their heart. And then I ask the person who's speaking, how is that? That they're like, perfect. The person who's listening did not say anything. <laughs> and the other person, you can see their body completely relax. And they're like, wow, finally we're connected. Wow. So it's yeah. not a verbal thing. The verbal is on top of it. It's not a verbal thing. It's, a, it's kind of more of a body language. Or if you want to use the word energy, it's an energetic thing. It's like, am I really here for you? I really want to know what are the three tips on getting more attuned. <laughs> with your partner, is it something that you can improve actively? Yes, and I have four tips for you. Oh, good. <laughs> Or four steps. <laughs> so I thought a lot about this, this question of like when you see couples and they're in a sync and it feels like there's a good flow with them and communication also works well and they feel connected. What's the difference between that and when couples are in disharmony or disconnection? And so basically, what is behind attunement? Like what is that? Someone comes to me, okay, I want to be more attuned. What do I do? Right? Yeah. And I came up with four steps. And so the first step in this process is being present. So being present means like I have to be here and here and now. If I'm thinking about something else, you come to talk to me and I'm thinking about something else and I'm really worried about something that happens before or something that's going to happen, then I'm not present. And you'll feel it. You'll say like, okay, you're not with me. You're somewhere else. Or another form of not being present is being more emotionally triggered. Like if something just happened and I'm really frustrated, really angry, really sad, really hurt, then I'm not really present with you. Okay, I'm in my own kind of whirlwind of emotion. So those are examples of just not being present. I can go more into that if you want later. There's other examples of what not being present is. Is that include stuff like having your phone very close by? already, you know, sends the message of you not really being present with the other partner? Right, yeah. When you're, using, when you're doing something and, you know, you're doing something on your phone and you look away, all of those things kind of make the other person feel like you're not present with them. Exactly. You're not here with me. You're not in the here and now with me. So that's the first step. You have to kind of come back. If something is disrupting that, come back to being in the here and now. The second step is opening the heart or loving So there's all these ways in which when we, either because we got hurt by the other person at the moment, or just as a general, our personality makeup, we can be more defended, more guarded. We're not really open to full connection or really open to the other person. And so that translates to your heart not being open. And when I say your heart not being open, people are new to the whole idea of body-mind connection, don't understand it, what I mean actually both literally and metaphorically. So metaphorically, we all understand there's a metaphor saying my heart is open or my heart is closed. But it actually works on the physical level. Like my heart is a muscle. And when I'm not open, the heart contracts. And when I am open, the heart actually relaxes. So when I say opening the heart, it's also a physical level. It actually happens in your chest. It happens in your body. That's why in my work with, my, with couples, I work a lot with the body and also even use touch with the body to help them feel like, okay, here's how it feels differently when your heart is really open. And so the second step is kind of finding out first, like, how open is my heart right now? If I'm really protected and defended and angry at you, maybe I need to take a break and come back later. And can I increase a little bit? Can I soften my heart? Can I open up towards you? 
Can I remember that you're someone that I, that I love? And so all of that will open my heart and I'll be more available towards you. That's just open, close. You can, there's a spectrum there. Exactly. There's a spectrum that you can be more open or more closed, right? And wherever you are on the spectrum, you can invite yourself to be just a little more open than that. It's like one to 10. Without thinking about it too much, on a one to 10 scale, how open do you feel right now? Get the number, whatever comes up in your mind. And then invite yourself to think like, okay, how can I open to like, if I was at four, how can I open to a five and feel the difference? This is really something that you perceive easily. When you see someone that his heart is closed, you see the tension in the body. And so you immediately don't feel like there's a really good connection right now. And for me as a man, usually this means go away, run, run away. But I'm starting to think about how I feel with my body and how breathing deeply helps me kind of a little bit more feel relaxed and not all tensed. And then potentially it will make easier to see that my heart is open and to feel it. Right. Here's a quick way, by the way, to notice that. I want to invite both, both of you and then whoever is watching this, think for a moment about someone you really love. And if, you, if you're a parent, I'll be the best thing to think about your kids because it's usually the most pure love and it's less mixed with also hurt. And so think and have an image for a moment of your child, if you have one. And then notice what starts to happen in your breath, what starts to happen in your chest, and how softer you become just by thinking about them, imagining them. That's opening the heart. That's just changing the way, you know, it will change your softness in your chest, will change your breath, and it will change basically your energy, like your overall kind of feeling of yourself. Nice. So those are the first two steps, being present, right, and loving or open-hearted. The third step is about receiving the other person. Again, like rarely we actually take the time to actually try to feel and get what the other person is really feeling as if we're in their shoes. We listen just enough to respond, as I was saying before. The receiving is about trying to get exactly what's going on for the other person and feeling some of it inside of yourself. So if they're saying, I'm really angry about that, then see, can I get wider, you know, on the intellectual level, can I get wider angry? On the heart level, can I feel a little bit of that? Like mm-hmm. if I was in their shoes, what would I feel right now? And why would that make sense, you know, how they feel? like? Because if I'm you, I can see how that, how you would interpret things a certain way and how would you feel a certain way. And we all have intuitive abilities, you know, kind of like natural abilities to be empathetic, which means like we're feeling a little bit of what the other person but you can also do it more consciously. If I'm present, I'm loving towards you. Now I'm opening up myself to like feeling what you're feeling. Can you also do that when what the other person feels is anger or disappointment? Like you see clearly your spouse is disappointed, is hurt, is even angry. And then being open in that moment and receive the other person, is that something that it sounds a little bit hard? How can you do that? That's the most challenging of you. When your partner, which is someone you really care about and depend on you, is angry at you, that's the most challenging to stay open, right? That comes back to the first two steps. It means that if you got triggered in that moment, you have your own emotions and you're not present. And then also then your heart closes, the second step of being loving, opening your heart. Right? So you have to first manage your own reaction. 
So you're coming back to the step one and step two and kind of like taking a deep breath, maybe reminding yourself, okay, they're just trying to tell me something about themselves. Mm. Trying to open the heart saying like, yeah, I know they're angry at me, but I, this is someone that I love. And so I want to get how they feel. So you have to do it in kind of internal process inside of yourself to come back and do those first two steps again so you can be present and loving. So then you'll be able to receive what they're saying and be able to say, yeah, even if they're angry at me, I want to understand why they're angry. And probably makes sense for them. Doesn't mean it's my fault necessarily, but it makes sense to them. It's very generous to do that. Super. And then the last step is basically the step of responding. So this responding or saying something back is only the four steps after you've been present, you've been opening your heart to them, and you've been trying to really receive what is it that's going on for them? Can I feel that? Because once you feel where they are, your response is going to be attuned to them. You'll be able to say, yeah, sure, I get how you got hurt, or I get why you're so angry about this. Sure, yeah, I can see it from your point of view. Having said that, having felt that, here's my response. But it's like the response that comes from really first joining you Kind of like I'm walking beside you and I'm seeing the world from your perspective. And now let me tell you a little bit about mine or let me respond to your perspective if I need to correct it or say, hey, this wasn't my intention or Mm -hmm. whatever it is. So those are the four steps, basically. So do you need to be attuned to your partner all the time? No, not so much. You know, like it's probably not possible. (laughs) So I think there's an attachment research. They talk about parents being attuned to the child 30% of the time. Secure attachment. Secure attachment, right? And so I think some, probably some of the same thing applies to adult relationship. A lot of couples ask that question. They're saying like, we had this fight last night. And so help me resolve that fight. And then how do we resolve the other 50 fights we had before that? And to give me a formula to how to resolve the next 50 fights, right? And the point that I try to make to couples that it's not about resolving that fight. It's about understanding what's the underlying principles behind that fight, like what the template is, like what is the thing that really got hurt here for each person? Because that thing is going to be true for probably the 50 fights before and potentially to the next 50 fights Uh because it's the same thing. We're the same people. If I can attune to you once around that or two or three times, that's usually probably enough for resolving all of those, you know, 100 fights that we already had because it touches into the core of what it is. And so it's just important coming back to attunement. It's just important to be enough times attuned, you know, and have those deeper conversations in which you are being attuned to your partner that they feel like, okay, you got me, you're on my side. I trust you more. I get that you have a good intention. And that changes the whole music of your conflict or your fights or et cetera. It's like a deep trust, huh? When, when you're attuned to each other, it creates this really deep trust and feeling like you have each other's back and you're on the same team, on the same side. Exactly. That feeling, like a feeling felt, you get me. The same thing is true, not just for fighting. We talk again a lot about fighting and problems in communication. It also true about connecting. How many of us know this thing of like, you've been with your partner for a long time and it feels a little stale. Like it's not the same excitement. It's not the same, you know, energy that you had in the beginning and you don't feel that connected. If you have kids, even worse. Because all of your attention goes into, you know, managing the house and the kids and being a parent. So how do you connect and you don't have time? If you go back to those four steps, actually, let's say the kids went to bed. You have 15 minutes before you're kind of going to collapse and go to bed. In that 15 minutes, in those 15 minutes, if you do those four steps, you're going to feel much more connected to your partner. If you try to be present, if you open your heart to them a little more, 
if you try to look at and see like what's going on on their side, well, who is this person today? What's going on in their world? Can I receive that? Can I take that in? And respond from that place also about what's going on for you. You're going to create a much deeper connection with your partner in that in those 15 minutes. Okay, so it's the recipe of like I think it's like anything behind behind relationship is actually this foundation of those four steps. I really see these days as like so crucial and so primary in just this dance of relationship, basically. Is this related to sex and passion as well? Yeah, for sure. It's great that you brought this up, right? It's like think about having sex with someone who's not present, right? Your partner is like thinking about something else and they're somewhere else. You're going to feel that. That they're not with you. Not sex. Think about about having sex with someone who is not, their heart is not open to you. It would feel different. It would feel less kind of connecting, less loving. Think about having sex with someone who's not receiving you. Like they're not really reading the cues of like, what do you want? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Where are you right now? What kind of touch? What kind of move? What kind of thing you want right now? If they're not receiving you, And then they're not responding well to you because they're just in their own world instead of being able to do those things with you. So it definitely applies also to the sexual act. The more you practice those skills, the more attuned of a lover you're going to be. Beautiful. It sounds like the most common mistake with being attuned, except for lack of awareness, is on the presence. Do you find that true? I think that each one of those four steps have their own obstacles. The obstacle for being present, if I go quickly on them, are, again, like if you're being distracted, if you're not here, if you're being overwhelmed emotionally, if you're not embodied, like if you're very much in your head and you're not in your body, like you don't know how to feel your feelings or sensations in the body, all of those will be obstacles to being present. About loving, the second step is like whatever patterns you have about relationship that comes usually probably all the way from your childhood about, can I trust someone? Can I open up to them? that they love me and that I'm worthy of love? Can I attune to their feelings? All of that stuff are going to affect the loving aspect. Talk about receiving. It's about allowing someone energy into you. If you've been had intrusion in the past or feel someone is too, people are too intrusive to you, then you're not going to want to allow someone else's feelings, energy, thoughts into your own world. So you have to be able to work with, with those things and kind of open up to like, yeah, I mean, here's another person and I'm really open to them influencing me, basically, to them affecting me and my worldview and my feelings, etc. And responding, it's more about like obstacle to like how to respond. That, that's where a little bit some techniques of like communication could come in or etc. But again, if like if you have the energy and the body language that comes with that, then those things will come much more easily to you. Maybe the words won't be perfect, but the body language will communicate that you get each other. Exactly. Yeah. Is this also related to creating a feeling of safety. So if you are attuned to your partner, will it also create safety? Yeah, exactly. Of course it will. That's the, what's what we want in it is safety. Because if I know that you get a little bit of what I'm feeling, that I feel felt by you, then I know that you're not going to do probably something that will violate my trust. Because if I know that something really hurts you and I'm able to feel that, you know, I'm able to open my heart and feel that, then automatically I'm going to be much more attuned, you know, much more nice to you and kind to you around that thing, which will create safety. And vice versa, you can't create safety for someone if you're not attuned to them because your body language is saying, I'm at war with you. How can you make them feel safe? That's not exactly the same. You can be safe, you can be safe to someone. Like they can feel like, I know you're not going to hit me. 
I know that you're not going to go away, but actually you're not very attuned to me. I see. I'm safe with you. I know I'm okay. And I know you're not going to hurt me on purpose, but it doesn't mean that you really get how I feel on a deep level. That's true also, you know, in the relationship, the romantic relationship is also true in parenting. You know, sometimes in parenting, you can provide everything that's kind of comfortable and right and safe for your, for your kid. But if you're not attuned to them, something is going to be missing. Deep. Oh, really? Deep stuff. I love I, it. Yeah. We're almost out of time and people got so much today. Just if you take the mantra of people want to feel felt, that yeah. by itself is, is such a golden nugget. But also the three steps to bring you to the fourth one, which is the responding. So the whole four steps on creating attunement with being present and open to your love and open your heart and then receiving the other person before you respond, prior to responding. All of that is super important. But people might want to learn more about the different hurdles and how to overcome the different hurdles in order to create a better attunement. And what can they do, Gal, in order to learn more about this or about what you do in the Couples Center? And so first, people can go to our website. It's thecouplescenter.org. Okay, I'll say it again, thecouplescenter.org. And they can see more, a lot more information about what we do. And there's a lot of free resources over there. There's a free video course that I teach about some of the fundamentals of relationship. There's a lot of blog articles and video blogs and information out there. And we're also like about to launch soon some online courses, like a basic online course, and then later on a more comprehensive online course. If people are in the Bay Area, they're welcome to contact us if they're wanting to come for one-on-one counseling. But the other thing that I would really recommend, one of the things that I do a lot and we invest a lot of energy and time into is leading workshops and, and retreats for couples. We haven't mentioned this in this program, but my wife is also a psychotherapist and lead the couple center together with me. And we lead this weekend events for couples together in which we teach them some of the fundamentals of relationship. We focus on communication and we focus on connection. And then we're in the process of actually building kind of other levels to that, kind of creating a whole program for couples who wants to go deeper. Those weekend workshops we do many times a year in the Bay, in San Francisco Bay Area, and they can find the information about that on our website. Nice. And I personally know Gal and Liron, and I highly, highly recommend everything they do in their workshops and meeting them. I learned a lot from both of them. And I think it's really important that people could easily find that. So in case you didn't get that at couplescenter.org, we will make sure that on generousmarriage.com, there's a website link from us to thecouplescenter.org, but also specifically to the page where you can learn about the actual workshops that they're doing. Or once you have the online uh, resources, we want to make sure people are aware of that as well. So guys, if you head over to generousmarriage.com, all the information is waiting for you in the page of this episode. Gal secondly, this has been very educational and inspiring. I must say this is on a personal level, very inspiring to do notice how we all want to feel felt and to be more attuned and be in here now, be present. All of those things are, we all can learn from it and maybe put our phones in a deeper pocket or even not in the same room as we are when we go to sleep or when we want to be attuned. And this is really just the tip of the iceberg 
in comparison to what you teach and what you share with couples when you're helping them become with uh, better communication skills and quoting here uh, because uh, it's not just about communication as you have shared with us. Thank you so much, Gal Sekeli. And I was happy to be here. It was a great conversation. Great. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, everyone. And see you guys. Thank you. And thank you for listening for the Generous Marriage Podcast. We'll see you next week on the next episode. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow. Uh, There's so many things to take from Gal Sekely. He really defines things in a way that is easy to understand and easy to incorporate into your life. What did you take from this interview with Gal Sekely? It's brilliant, huh? It just takes this complex relationship stuff and makes them so easy to understand and to use. I love it. I especially loved feeling felt. What do people want? They want to feel felt. That's, that's so brilliant and deep. I see it with couples that I work with all the time. It really changes the whole dynamic when one person feels like their partner really feels them, really gets them deeply makes everything different. It opens the heart. It creates intimacy. I love it. And what I take from Gal Sekely is his deconstruction of the idea of attunement. Mm -hmm. I've never heard anyone talk about attunement in such a clear way. And it was such such a wonderful opportunity to debate about it later on after the show was recorded between you and me and between us and Gal that he actually helped us create an infographic about attunement. Shachar, where can people find that infographic? They can find it on our website on uh, generousmarriage.com on season two, episode 11. Scroll down to the bottom. There's a free bonus that you can download with a really great infographic that explains attunement in a fun and easy to understand way with all the three steps, the presence, open heart, and receiving that lead to responding in an effective way. Great stuff. And and maybe if you want to help your spouse feel felt, you should actually download this and read it through with your spouse. And that would be uh, an opportunity for a debate, or at the very least, it will be an opportunity for you to practice attunement by being attuned to your spouse when you're going over through the idea of attunement. That's uh, a little bit recursive here, but uh, could be a very fun uh, date with your spouse. Moving along to the next episode in season two, we have an interview with Sondra Harmon from Unlimited Love. Sondra has been able to create an environment of people around her uh, that actually are really good in relationships. Uh, There's a name for people like that, uh, isn't it, uh, Shachar? Yeah, John Gottman calls it the the masters, the masters of relationships. Yeah, and and I really love the metaphor and and how powerful those masters are. Every time they have something in the relationship that is negative, they have 20 other things in the relationship that is positive. So the ratio is 1 to 20, uh, which is just amazing. And Sodra has managed to create an environment for uh, successful couples to encourage each other and create an environment for being an inspiration for one another, but also a mentorship program of how couples can mentor other couples 
and give them examples. I think this concept is very interesting and you'll hear more about that next week on the Generous Marriage Podcast. See you guys next week. Bye. See you next week.